together coming to an understanding even if it takes a while she's liberal he's conservative but they're best friends you're known out figure it out in the end now hear me out hi everybody my name is harriet Bearholtz, and welcome back to another episode of now hear me out I'm socially distancing and kind of here with my dad uh, in another house, Um, but I'm here with my dad. Randy Berholtz. And we're so excited to to be here speaking with you guys today. We have a very, very special guest, uh, the mayor of Newport Beach, Mr. Will O'Neill. Will has a very, very cool background. He is a Stanford-educated attorney and small businessman who has served Newport for five years on the finance committee, for which he's still currently the chair. He grew up in Central Valley, Central Valley, Fresno, and later received his JD from the UC Hastings College of Law. He is the youngest person to ever be elected mayor of Newport Beach, and he is working really hard to ensure that the city is not only safe, but he's also working to improve accessibility for those with special needs. One of the most notable accomplishments he's helped with thus far was to install an ADA, or American Disabilities Act, friendly swing at Coastal Peak Park. So families of children with varying physical abilities can enjoy the beautiful outdoors that Newport Beach has to offer. Will is married to Jenny, a former elementary school teacher, and they have two small children that they're currently raising in Newport Beach. You actually might have seen Will uh, in the past week, week and a half, sort of making the the rounds on the news. Uh, Fox News, he was interviewed. He did an interview with Dr. Drew, Tucker Carlson, and... uh, He's kind of been everywhere lately, and I actually, Will, saw you uh, in a reshare by one of my favorite Newport Beach HGTV celebrities, uh, (laughs) Miss Christina Anstead. So very, very cool. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. You know, it was actually pretty fun. I got to meet Christina at this year's boat parade, which was probably one of the only things that I got to do as mayor this year that was ceremonial. Yeah. No, I can only imagine. She was the grand marshal, I think, right? She was, and she was incredibly kind. She was generous with her time with anyone who wanted to come talk to her. It was really, it was, it was pretty special. I, I enjoyed meeting her. Oh, that's awesome. No, so, I mean, you've been super busy on the whole, you know, news circuit recently, and I, I really appreciate the point of view and perspective that you've brought to the issues regarding Newport Beach, beach closings, how you've addressed uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. And I know that you have said, you know, you felt like the closing of the beach and the criticism of beach closures was driven more by a political motive rather than scientific data and facts. Can you speak to that a little bit more, kind of where you drew that opinion from and and if you still feel like that's coming into play? I absolutely can. So I think it's worth going back a couple months to when this first started out. And I think the governor was looking at a lot of data and a lot of projections that were awfully scary. I mean, if you recall, two months ago, almost exactly, he had written to the president suggesting that he believed up to 25 and a half million uh, Californians would be infected by this point. And so you you clearly know that he was talking with medical experts and public health experts uh, that 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 absolutely convinced him of that fact. And so he took pretty quick, decisive, bold action uh, that that most certainly did help our state uh, at the very beginning of this. And so as we were moving forward with this, his his constant refrain has been he wants to look at the data and the science and make sure that he's not making any decisions that were based in politics. And, and the challenge with that is you have to actually be consistent on that. And, and in large part, he, he has been. And so it was really disappointing when he decided that he would take a, 
uh, an approach when it came to the Orange County beaches that just was not based in science. It just wasn't based in data. And so uh, as a lot of the folks who are listening probably recall, what had happened was we had our first warm weekend in Orange County in Southern California. And uh, the Orange County beaches had never closed for the most part. We had two. We had Laguna Beach and Seal Beach that had closed. But all of the state beaches were open. All of the county beaches were open. All the city beaches were open. Uh, and so what ended up happening was a lot of people did come. Now, the problem was the numbers sound big. When you hear that throughout the day, 40,000 people showed up on a beach, that sounds like a lot. But the problem is it's, it's not, actually. If you're a local, you understand that. Because in, you know, on the 4th of July, for example, we can accommodate 120, 130,000 people uh, in a day. And we have seven miles of beaches. Most of it are about three to 400 uh, yards wide. So throughout the day, on the Friday and Saturday of that one weekend, uh, we had our police department out there. We had our uh, lifeguards out there. And frankly, the hardest part was in the neighborhoods because uh, the state had closed down all of their, their beach parking and so had the city in response to that. And so uh, the neighborhoods were actually the ones getting most impacted, not so much on the beach. The problem for us ended up being that we had uh, a photographer take a, a low angle, side angle lens that had a very long le uh, lens on it. And so we, we actually know how far the, the, um, the picture took. It took about a mile of beach, but the problem is it looked like it was like a hundred yards. And so you had all these people that looked like they were right on top of each other. It just wasn't the case. And so, uh, we, we met as a city council. We talked about it. Uh, we made sure that we showed aerial photographs. We made sure our police department spoke to it. Our fire department spoke to it. Our lifeguard spoke to it. Uh, unfortunately, no one from the governor's office either watched our city council meeting or even reached out to anyone in Newport Beach or Huntington Beach to even talk to us about what we had seen and what our plans were for the following weekend. And you probably remember this. What happened was all of a sudden these rumors got out and then it was broken that there was going to be a press release issued saying that every beach in the state of California was going to get closed. And at that point, I know your mayor down in San Diego, Kevin Faulkner, had received a message telling him exactly that the night before. 30 minutes before the governor goes on for his press conference at noon, on Thursday, I got a call telling me, no, it's not actually going to be, uh, it's not going to be all, every beach in California. It's actually going to be Orange County. Uh, and, and I'll just stop there for just a second and kind of remind folks the difference between Orange County, San Diego, LA, and all the other counties. Um, you know, Orange County is just slightly smaller in terms of population than San Diego. Uh, it's, it, both, both, uh, are 3.2 and 3.3 million people respectively. That's bigger than 22 states. I know on, I, I know I've mentioned it's bigger than Nevada. It's bigger than, uh, Mississippi. It's bigger than Iowa, states like that. And so you, you really ought to take a look at the hospitalization rates in both of our, uh, respective counties. Um, you know, so far in, in, as of today, I checked, uh, Orange County, we've lost 80 people to the virus out of our 3.2 million people. Uh, San Diego has lost 194 people as of today out of their 3.3 million people. Um, but Los Angeles, I mean, Los Angeles, as of today, has lost 1,659 people um, to this virus. And so you can see each county is, is just doing it, is, is handling this differently for a, probably a, a million different reasons. Um, but, but my point in, in pointing all of this out is San Diego's beaches stayed open, Ventura's beaches stayed open, um, Orange County's beaches got closed. It, it didn't make any sense. Uh, and so the problem really becomes at that point, you've got a governor who is doing big things on a big public health crisis, saying he's doing everything on data and science, 
and clearly not on this one. And, it, and everyone, I, I mean, everyone has to believe that this just wasn't based on data and science at that point. And it undermines the bigger things that he's trying to do. And so we pushed back pretty aggressively. Uh, we pointed out the fact that LA's beaches had been closed for over a month and every single open beach community in Los Angeles had a higher COVID case count per capita than every open beach community in uh, Orange County. Uh, it, and, and it's no surprise to me, I'll just say, it's no surprise to me that yesterday, uh, yesterday being Wednesday, Los Angeles County has reopened their beaches. Um, it, you're seeing this movement back to allowing people into open spaces because it really is like a balloon. If you're squeezing the balloon, you're not letting the air out. You're just putting it into tighter spaces. So well, the more you, we can get any, people out and social distance. Do you think any of this is political? Is it political or is it, uh, I, I, I mean, or is it just, you know, faulty data, as you said? Well, I, I don't think that there was any data being observed. Uh, I, I don't think that there was anything showing that sh- shutting down only Orange County beaches was being done for science or data. That decision, uh, that decision at best was political. But, you know, you reverse course quickly. You could see that. I mean, every beach, including Newport Beach, which was the last one open, uh, but they were, they were all reopened within five days. If it was based on health, they'd still be closed, and so would other beaches. Um, but instead, we've seen the reopening of beaches. And so this was just a bad decision in, uh, in the midst of a really difficult time. Okay. Sure. And, I mean, on this, on this podcast, and I know that you, you know, I, I watched the interviews that you did and, and everything that you, you said, and I thought it was um, really interesting how you mentioned on Fox about, you know, how much you respect your dad, who's a former cop and federal judge and the advice he gave you regarding the closures and uh, what you'd also said about kind of, you know, whether being on the side of like liberty or restriction, how you always should choose to be on the side of liberty. And how do you think that really applies to the way that you're advocating for, for Newport Beach? Sure. So, so my dad is my hero and I was really, uh, it was, it was a real, it was, it was one of those great moments, uh, being able to even talk about my dad on national television, but he did give me some really great advice. And, and it's not just actually specific to the beaches. It's generally speaking in, in policy, if it's a close call and it has to, and that's the point, if it's a close call, you always go on the side of liberty and not restriction. Uh, and so I think that that's the, that's, Right now, especially when we're going through some really tough decisions as public policymakers, it's really important to have those first principles in mind because you're making decisions constantly that no one else has had to make before you, at least certainly not in decades. And so if you're grounded in those first principles, then you can always harken back. Sometimes, though, they're not close calls. I, I mean, this, this is a serious time in our in our country. This is a really serious time in our Southern California experience. And so... The, the the issue that we're all facing right now is particularly on the economy, trying to make a decision on how to reopen our, our economy safely in, in local areas. Uh, and it, it, there are going to be times when it's just not a close call, and there will be times when it is. Uh, but it doesn't really much matter if a business just throws their doors open right now to flaunt uh, you know, the governor's orders or even local health orders. If people don't feel safe inside your store, they're not going to go in. What do you say to the small business owner right now who, who's, you know, whose who's business is just being killed? And, and, and you know, I, I know as a mayor, like a governor, like a president, has to balance interest. But talk to us a little bit about the, the balancing. How do you balance this as a, as a mayor right now? Well, the first thing is you recognize what your role is. Uh, and that's, that's oftentimes something that people in elected office forget. They forget what level of government they're at. 
And so this is one of those times where, I mean, I think for the last four years, we've been going through a pretty great national civics lesson. Uh, and what we're seeing in this is another chapter. You're seeing the difference between the federal and state government. You're seeing how much freedom people are willing to give up to their state uh, governors uh, in the midst of an emergency. And you're also seeing that the state has the state government has their own public health care agency the, or the counties have their own public health care agencies uh, that uh, and the cities don't for the most part. Uh, certainly not in Newport Beach, where a city of around 87,000 people without a public health care agency. So there is a certain amount of deference that we need to be giving to people who are experts in the public health field. But coming back to your original question, how are we handling it in Newport Beach? Uh, I think it's a good reminder for everyone that is a business owner in our city that Newport Beach has not shut down any of their businesses. It is not one of our regulations or one of our laws that closed it, and it is not going to be one of our rules or regulations that reopens them. Now, the problem has arisen that these executive orders are are a bit confusing at times. They're not the models of clarity that uh, you would hope for in uh, in a shutdown like this. And so you're putting police officers in a really tough position of trying to enforce laws that are not abundantly clear. So for us, we have put out a statement on our city website stating that if uh, there's any ambiguity in uh, any of the uh, laws or orders that we'll be resolving those in favor of our uh, businesses and residents. Uh, but if there is a mo- if there is clarity of law, then what we will be doing is education first, which is exactly what the uh, governor's office has been saying. But we've also cautioned people to remember that the state and county that have issued these orders, uh, they have their own enforcement arms. And we've seen that play out over and over again, especially when it comes to bars, uh, the ABC licenses, and we're also seeing it play out with salons and barbers with their own uh, with their own licensing there too. A lot of people, I, I don't think, realize that you know, at least in California, that that the cities, I guess, you know, I don't say take their existence from the state, but the state really, you know, has jurisdiction over the individual, right? And and as do counties. So, um, yeah, I, I'm going to say it must be hard for your policemen and your and just executives. I, I, I mean, how do you enforce something when the, the county may be saying something differently from the state, which may be saying something differently from the president? So how do you deal with those conflicts then? I, 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 I mean, is, you know, is the, is the governor's word always, always the top or is the president's word the uh, top or? Well, the president's word is rare, very rarely the, the top uh, when it comes to the executive orders that we're being uh, told to follow. I mean, and that's the thing that a lot of you're right. It is a difficult concept, but this is a time when a lot of you know people who have called themselves conservatives forever have talked about federalism and trying to get uh, uh, more local. I mean, to the extent that the governor himself has even been talking about regionalism. Uh, I, I agree with, I agree with him wanting to talk about regionalism. I just happen to disagree with the application that he is putting forward. So, for example, uh, in the case like this, where he's, he said, look, there are, there, you, you will, if you're a county and you're doing well, you will have the opportunity to move faster than the state. And then he put out his standards and the standards are impossible. And, and I know that I've seen a, a good letter put out by, uh, the uh, board, I think the Board of Supervisors chair down in San Diego and uh, the mayor of San Diego jointly signed it saying that I know Orange County has been saying that Riverside County, San Bernardino County have been saying that. 
the standards are impossible for a county of 3 million plus, even 2 million plus to reach. And so uh, the it, it probably still comes back to the original point of why we shut the economy down in the first place, which was flattening the curve. Uh, and, and I know that that term has meant a lot of different things to a handful of people, but for the most part, I think everyone understands it to mean we don't want to overwhelm our healthcare uh, because if we overwhelm our health care, you will see more people dying from this virus. And so in Orange County, for example, the largest day we've ever had was a couple of days ago in terms of hospitalizations, and that was a little over 240 people were hospitalized. In Orange County, we have 5,903 beds, um, and so that's around 4% of our bed capacity was has been filled. That's, that's the most ever. If we needed to get to a surge capacity, we could actually expand that up to about 9,000 uh, 9, beds. So we haven't reached that point. So, so, uh, but of course, if you look at Los Angeles County, they're struggling. They're having a harder time during this. And like I said, there are probably plenty of reasons for that. But as a policymaker at the city level, and this is coming back to your original question about how do, how do we handle this at the city level with our police department and our sheriff's department? Um, I can tell you it's awfully difficult because the, um, the challenge in large respect is if you send a police officer in to go enforce a law, uh, and that law is not abundantly clear, you're exposing them to civil prosecution or uh, civil liability at that point. And we've got to be really careful about that. We've got to be really careful about uh, making sure that we're enforcing laws that are abundantly clear for our for our police departments. Because once you get into selective enforcement, that's where civil rights violations happen more often than anything else. And that's that's true across the board. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat. You don't want police officers to be enforced, uh, conducting selective enforcement. It's a scary time, and that's and um, and in, in a situation like this, we really do need an abundance of clarity, and we just don't have it at the moment. Sure. I was going to say, I'm I'm curious. It's been pretty um, widely talked about as to how San Diego is dealing with you know the, the homeless population during this time. Um, we've opened up our convention center. There's a lot of meal donations going on um, to, you know, COVID-19 testing is more widely available to help, you know, the, the homeless out with with trying to prevent it from spreading. How is Newport Beach addressing sort of the, the homeless side of things during the coronavirus? Um, are there measures that you guys are taking? Is there anything specifically that you're doing? Yeah, there, there, that, that could actually be an entire podcast, honestly. Uh, so I'll try to go more high level. So the first, the first uh, thing that Newport Beach is doing, we, we work on a regional basis. So Orange County, 3.2 million people, it has uh, 34 cities. And so we work very closely with our Orange County Board of Supervisors and the, uh, the county, uh, who is oftentimes the lead agency for uh, approaching how to, how to work with our uh, people experiencing homelessness in our county. Uh, within our city, we work with our cities all around us on this issue, um, and we, we work pretty well together, actually. And so for the people who are – so because we are, you know, 34 cities, oftentimes what we see is a fairly transitory group of people who will be in uh, Newport Beach one night and Costa Mesa another, Huntington Beach another. Uh, we do have the folks that um, we are consistent, and so for those people – uh, we have a dedicated staff member, uh, and we also have a dedicated police officer, uh, and we also have an outside agency called CityNet. And all three of those, the company and then our two employees, have gotten to know everyone uh, who is experiencing homelessness in Newport Beach. And so we've been able to take uh, and and um, we've been able to get a lot of people up and off the streets actually in Newport by just having those consistent relationships. And so we've been able to work with 
a lot of different agencies around us. Uh, this has been an issue that has received a lot more attention over the last few years, and that means a lot more funding, a lot more opportunities. And uh, there are uh, there's also a project, you know, there's Project Roomkey, and Project Roomkey right now is working with uh, local area hotels. Most of them are closed, or you know, they need the revenue pretty badly. And so, as a county, we've been working on that, and Newport Beach has been involved as well. Uh, we've been really fortunate, at least so far in Orange County, not to see an outbreak uh, of COVID in uh, our homeless community to the same extent that we've seen in some of the more urban areas uh, like San Francisco, uh, I know had experienced that. But um, that's, uh, but that's, that's, a, that's kind of the difference between, a big difference between Orange County and San Diego, where San Diego has such a dominant major city uh, in their county. And we just don't have one of those inside of Orange County. So we work mostly regionally. And uh, I spend at least two calls a week with all 34 mayors on it, just talking about how they're approaching COVID and uh, homelessness is always a topic. What type of call is that? Is that a is that a mayor's call or is that a Southern California mayor's call or, or what is that? That's an that's an Orange County mayor's call that was put together by the mayor in Santa Ana, uh, which is our uh, you know I was about to say it's our largest city. I honestly can't recall whether Anaheim or Santa Ana is bigger, but but those two are definitely our largest cities. But he he organizes that for Thursday nights and then Friday mornings the county uh, health department uh, gets all the mayors on, and so we we talk about testing and and cap- capabilities and capacity. And different ways for our for the mayors in our cities to be doing things better. So we've and and I'll I'll just say in Newport Beach we're really fortunate because our fire department uh, our fire chief I should say is uh, just happened to rotate through this year and be kind of lead uh, lead a fire chief in a in our region. So I'm sure his job has gotten more difficult, but uh, we've been able to access information much quicker just because of his leadership. We've been fortunate in that regard. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I was going to say, I, you know, it's, it's easy to understand when you're in the city itself a bit more about what the general consensus is about the, the lockdown and everything like that. I know being in San Diego, we've seen pretty big protests erupt in uh, Encinitas. We had another one in um, Pacific Beach, another one downtown and all that kind of stuff. Have you, I know it's obviously different in Newport Beach, given that your beaches, you know, remained open for the most part. And as you said, there was no uh, restrictions in place mandating that businesses shut down. But are people, can you tell that people are starting to kind of grow, you know, uneasy and, and antsy to get back out there? Have you heard talks of protests? Have you seen anything? What's kind of the general vibe? So I think the general vibe is it shifted on us pretty dramatically two or three weeks ago. And I I suspect that that's probably the same for uh, a lot of areas of San Diego as well. And what I mean by that is you had a lot of fear for about five or six weeks. And uh, the the challenge up until probably about five weeks, uh, about five week mark was fear makes you myopic and myopic can make you angry um, or frustrated and frustrated will usually lead to anger. And so I think we've, hit a phase now where there are a lot of people really angry. And the problem is a lot of that anger has been um, driven perhaps in part by inconsistent messaging. So coming back around to the small business owner, put yourself in my position. How how incredibly difficult is it when someone comes to you, they're a small retail uh, establishment that sells surf shirts, for example, they can buy, and, and I'm going to use this because it's my last name, but they can buy a, an O'Neill shirt in Costco or Walmart, but they can't buy an O'Neill shirt in a surf shop. Um, and, and you, and that's incredibly hard to explain to someone that, no, you actually still have to do curbside pickup 
I mean, if, if you're a bookstore and you're being told you can only do curbside pickup, why would anyone do that? They're still going to order on Amazon. Um, and so it's, it's really difficult for us to try to get the, the economy rolling again. But you were asking about protests. And so we, in Newport Beach, we had a relatively small one. And, and it's just the, it's the difference between cities, right? You, you mentioned that. In, in Newport, when we had a, a small protest at, near our city hall, people showed up in masks. And for the most part, they're actually socially distancing. But then, but, but then you, you go up the PCH just a mile and you get into Huntington Beach. And Huntington Beach made national news twice in the last three weeks because of the size of their protests. And they had thousands of people, a lot of them not wearing masks. Most of them tight, uh, uh, tied in really tight to each other. And so that's, that's the difference. I suppose you always need to know your city. Um, and so Huntington Beach has uh, had some pretty large protests, and I suspect they'll continue to have them. What are we coming back? And, 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 you know, what do you think's changed in the public's minds right now? Is it that, is it that the public has, is saying, okay, six weeks, eight weeks, it's enough. We need to get back to work. And, and we are willing to, you know, we are taking more precautions now. And we may be willing to, you know, we, we protected the people who need to be protected. And we just need to come back. I, I, I mean, again, it's this, you know, it's, you're an attorney by, by training and everything else, and so so, but it's it's this weighing of 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 I don't want to say justice, but it's it's this weighing of alternatives right now, and, and and you know, are we ever going to have that ideal, you know, balance right now, or, or, or do you just think you know if people want to work, it's hard to stop them from going back to work? Do you think that we've hit that tipping point right now, where it's just going to you know? More and more people are going to go go back to work, and and this is going to be it. And and essentially, if if there are losses in the population, so so be it. At that point, we just can't, you know, we just can't give up our economy right now. I'm not sure that there is. Uh, I'm not sure that I would call it a tipping point. I don't think we're going to hit this point where all of a sudden a mass number of people uh, make these decisions. I think where we are, I think where we are is that a lot of the fear, for the most part has dissipated. And a lot of people, although there is certainly fear and there, and, and I would call it more caution than fear at this point, because we know a lot more than we did eight weeks ago. I mean, eight weeks ago, it was incredibly scary. Uh, and it was, it was, it was so unknown. And, um, and so now we have so much more data. We know so much more about how to, uh, protect yourself, how to prevent you, you know, you can be asymptomatic, and um, and spread it to people. So a lot more people, when I go out in public, I see a lot of people wearing masks, especially when they're going in, indoors. Uh, now, you're never going to get everybody, but I think businesses are going to have a really hard time reopening and pe- and convincing people to feel comfortable if they're not putting uh, certain kinds of requirements on people who come into the stores themselves. But, but the point in that front um, is people... I think people get it. I think for the most part, people get it. You're always going to have people who, um, you know, are going to call this a hoax. And I, I've never understood that, frankly, but, uh, but because I talk way too much with doctors and public health officials to ever believe that this is a hoax. But what I do believe is that we've gotten to the point where we, uh, don't need to do this mass shutdown. We don't have to have, uh, this, uh, one size fits all approach. We can do a, a far more targeted approach. And quite frankly, the people that need the most attention right now are in nursing homes. Um, the people who need the most attention are the people in these skilled nursing facilities, uh, because the moment you allow for someone to come in, and the problem is the regs right now are telling nursing homes you can't deny someone from coming in uh, based on the, the positive or negative of COVID. 
Um, the, the moment you allow someone in and you, you, you don't screen them properly or you're not doing enough testing, it spreads to like wildfire through an incredibly vulnerable population. So resources need to be allocated toward people who are the most vulnerable. Um, and, and we have got to be focused in on making sure that we're not spreading the, uh, the virus among those, those, those really vulnerable populations. But at the same time, coming back to that, um, people have been told repeatedly how to do this right, how to make sure they're not spreading it. And so if you were shutting the economy down at the beginning based on the belief that you need to make sure the hospitals aren't overwhelmed, and in Orange County or San Diego, if you're in single-digit hospital occupancy, clearly the hospitals aren't overwhelmed. So the question at that point just comes back to, are the goalposts changing, and if so, why? And at that point, it's incumbent on the people who have moved that metric to explain very clearly why that is, because if they can't explain that really clearly, there are going to be people who get angry and frustrated and just ignore the rules. And I'll tell you, uh, the, the, the problem, the, the reason the beaches thing, the, the beaches issue was such a catalyst and why it made so many people angry was because it clearly wasn't based on that data and science. And the problem is when you get to that point, when you make a decision that doesn't is not in line with something that you've been constantly saying, it undermines the big things. Uh, and and that's that's what you can't do as a leader right now. You cannot undermine the big things by making decisions that are, at, like I said at the beginning, at, at best political. Uh, and so to, to the governor's credit, he did remedy that very quickly uh, by, by getting the beaches back open. Los Angeles has been reopened. Uh, but but that's where we're facing right now. He's got to get out ahead of this. He has got to find a way to talk about the business reopening in a safe way that is consistent and makes sense. Because the longer we go right now with unemployment at you know, over 30 million people nationwide, the longer we go where the state of California has a $54 billion deficit um, and is having to take loans out uh, over of over $300 million from the federal government just to cover its own unemployment payments. Um, the longer we go with cities in incredible deficits, I mean, even Newport Beach, we're facing $30 million deficit next year, which we have a plan for and we can make it. But there are a lot of cities that cannot make that kind of cut uh, without cutting their police and fire. The more people see that, the less willing they are to to take um, to take the, uh, you know, the, the order to, to stay safer at home uh, to heart and to follow it. And you're going to start seeing a lot more. Um, a lot more behavior that it seems perhaps risky uh, if, if they're not being convinced that what they need to do is take this seriously. For sure. No, thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on. And I just have one last question that we kind of like to close up with a little bit, but um, we are a bipartisan podcast and the kind of goal is to unite the the left and the right a little bit. Um, my dad's obviously a, a big conservative and I'm, I'm more of we're a, good, you know, we're for good government. Yeah. <laughs> and so I know Newport Beach has a very, I mean, in my opinion, diverse group of people politically. Um, I know you have quite a few Republicans, quite a few Democrats kind of um, inter intermingled. How do you kind of manage to unite both sides in, in Newport Beach throughout, throughout this crisis? Um, have you seen any of the rhetoric be kind of more one way with, with Democrats and, and another with Republicans? How do you kind of keep the messaging to the point that you know, this is an issue that affects us all. It doesn't discriminate based off of your political affiliation. How do you, how do you manage to, you know, keep people united during this rather than continue to be divided further? 
Well, first you avoid actually talking about people in ways that are derogatory toward toward them as people, right? You, you've got to keep things less than personal and you've got to be focused in on policy and you've got to be focused in on as much transparency as possible, explaining to people why you're making the decisions and when you're going to be making the decisions. And, and they can disagree with you all day long on the outcome, but as long as they see the, the, you know, your work product, it's going to be okay. Um, and, and it really does come down to just making sure that you're hearing people out and you're respecting the fact that this is a really difficult time for everyone. And I, I don't know the answer for all 87,000 people, uh, in, in our city, but I do want them to understand that we are trying really, really hard. And so, uh, I spend a lot of time talking to people about my conversations with doctors, uh, with people who are public health experts. Uh, I spend a lot of time making sure that they do see that work product that's going into trying to make these really difficult decisions. And at the end of the day, it's, it's showing people respect for their, their opinions. Uh, and oftentimes it's really just explaining them a concept. I know early on, one of the issues a lot of communities were facing is do we demand people wear masks or not? And the problem is anytime you're going to put a uh, requirement on someone that is what you would consider to be normal, uh, normal behavior. And in, uh, uh, let me back up. If you're criminalizing normal behavior, even though it's abnormal times, you're going to have people who will either refuse or forget. And when you're putting your police officers in a position of needing to enforce a mask ban, you're actually putting people, you're putting your officers in closer contact with people who are obviously taking riskier behaviors. And so we've got to be really careful about putting our police officers in that role because they've got to be, uh, they've still, <laughs> it's not like criminals are saying, gosh, the governor told me to stay at home. I'm going to stay at home now. Uh, there's still crime happening, and we really need to be paying attention to that. So it comes back to core services. As long as we're providing the core services, as long as we're providing our core infrastructure, uh, and we're also making sure we're paying attention to our whole health of the community, we're doing a pretty good job of it. And I'm seeing a lot of people stepping up and doing really great jobs with the uh, positions they have. But um, I've found, coming back all the way around to the original question, I have found that as long as you're treating people like people, um, as long as you're talking to them and listening out to what their concerns are and you can direct them toward uh, good factual resources as opposed to opinion pieces and whatnot, they really respect that. And um, no matter what, no matter what political party they, they uh, align themselves with. So I, I, and that's one of the reasons, by the way, I love being mayor, mayor, being mayor um, is, is a truly bipartisan effort. Uh, and so you get to, uh, you get to spend the most amount of time with constituents and, and really spending a lot of time with them. So as long as you like people, being mayor is a great job. <laughs> <laughs> also, the parades, I've heard, are pretty pretty fun. Uh, they are. I just won't be in any of them this year. Can I tell you, Mayor O'Neill, you're the mayor of a beautiful city. So I know you're proud of that. And so uh, so that's a great thing. Well, thank you very much. Thank you both. And thanks so much for everything you're doing to get the education efforts out there. You're interviewing some great people. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm glad to be part of it. So thank you so much.